Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. In the studio is my good friend from Yes. It is Yes, isn't it? Am I going to get it wrong? Yes. How did you manage to get that domain name, by the way? That's a pretty popular domain name, I imagine, Carl Dieter, is it? There is a a deep and dark secret backstory that I will tell you when we're off air. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. Well, look, the reason Carl is here is because Carl knows the finances of the country inside out, outside in, knows all about housing. Well, I believe he's a fair expert, although some of his opinions have been very greatly controversial over the years. Now, let me read this out, Carl, and then you can tell me what you think of it. But 19 Dublin hotels each received payments of excess of $1 last year to provide emergency accommodation for homeless people. One hotel received a payment of four million, uh, or four to five million, according to a new figure provided by the Dublin Regional Homeless Executive, which confirmed the spend on providing temporary and emergency accommodation for the homeless increased 19% to 170 million in 2019. Now, last year's hotels received payments from the executive totaling 56.6 million to provide emergency accommodation, and this represented a 10%, 10.7% uh, increase on the year before. Or 51 million. In response to the Freedom of Information request, the executive confirmed that 19 hotels had also received payments of 3 to 4 million to accommodate homeless people last year. Now, I'm not going to go any more into the, the money aspect of it, but Dublin City Councillor Malik Flynn described the spend as absolutely disgraceful. He stated that the business of accommodating the homeless is a big cash cow for hotels concerned. And while the 80.1 million was paid to the hotels and bed and breakfast, the amount paid to non-governmental organisations for support to temporary accommodation, including family hubs, totals 70 million. And the increase of 16% on the 60 million paid out under the heading uh, in 2018. Um, And overall, in the four-year period between 2016 and 2019, Total payments were €203 million. Tonight I want to talk about these figures and get reaction to them because this is a shocking amount of money. It's it's a quarter of a billion euro. It's a lot of money. And there are some people who feel that the problem is that everyone wants something for free in this country or entitlement, whereas others believe genuinely the government has messed up big time and basically they're bailing themselves out by paying out cash constantly. I want to get your thoughts on these figures tonight. Who do you blame for this €170 million cost? I mean, think of any houses you could build for the, uh, well, in the, the four-year period for two, over two, well, quarter of a million nearly, quarter of a billion. How many houses you could actually build for that amount of money? So who do you blame? Do you blame the government? Do you blame people themselves and a lack of personal responsibility? Or who do you blame for this spend? Carl Dieter, you can text us, by the way, 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. Carl, whose fault is this? I think it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, C, D, E, F, and G, right on down to the end of the alphabet. Because if you start to experience a financial crisis where a lot of people lose their job and rents are low, you know you are going to see compression in the housing market because new houses aren't being built, but people are still growing up, moving out, etc. Now, there was a point where we were in a strong recovery and you can't say this is like mortgage arrears or anything. And, and, you know, rents hadn't risen mad. And already we had this homeless crisis starting to, to express itself. What year would you say that was? 2013? I was, well, I first started to, to hear more about it kind of 20, 2013, 2014. Um, so in other words, I, the prices hadn't gone crazy because the prices dropped in 2010-11. Property values dropped to about half what uh, they yeah, were in yeah, 2006. It, 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 it rental massive. values dropped. Everything dropped. Yeah. 
But now, yet we were seeing more and more people becoming homeless. Yeah, Could it be I, just I, an increase there, in population? Well, there was also an increase in people working and we had, had a very high welfare spend as well. Um, so 20 billion. You, you know, it's, it's not as if there was no money going to try and fix things. But there is another element of it, I suppose, where you've got uh, you've got couples and relationships breaking down, which I think is becoming ever more prevalent, especially as, as an economy soured. Um, and then you also have this thing, which in economics, where if you increase the supply of something for it, sometimes you'll get a bigger demand. So, for instance, if uh, if marijuana was legal in the morning, there would probably be a greater amount of it consumed. In the past, we didn't really have homeless services other than the very, very low end that was aimed towards like the, the, the worst type of, of homeless. The worst cases, of, yes, the most vulnerable like cases. Rough sleepers on the street yeah. type stuff. So now if someone, you know, was unhappy in a relationship, they can just go and they they will be provided for. Now, you can either say, well, look. So what happened before that? They had to, they basically had to stick together because they're in or, an economic or, or, trap. Or go to family or go to friends or something else. So and, surf. And, and there's one side of me that says, look, you know, it, it's good. People should have an escape route from bad situations. There's another part of me that thinks, you know, have they done everything they could to sort out their own situation? Like I'm quite often curious when I hear about like a mother and two kids where the dad is in that frame. And I'm well, not well, saying well, she well, has well, to well, stay with a, No, there was a documentary on uh, TV3 going back, well, it was TV3 at the time, not very media one, going back about two years ago, about people in homeless accommodation. And in the whole program, it kind of highlighted five or six different cases, and there wasn't a man to be seen. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that if you're with a guy who's abusive that you should stay with him. People always seem to jump to that conclusion. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'd ever say. It couldn't said. be all abusive, but is that what you're but, saying? Well, no, what I'm saying is, even if he is an abuser, he should be paying his way. There should be some court order kids. that yeah. is is taking the money from that person. I think in Ireland there's a lot of deadbeat dads, and we let them. But away they have with they it. have a system up north similar to that, whereby there's a service that basically you can report your ex husband for not paying maintenance. They go and get the money, and they guarantee to get you the money. They charge a small amount of commission for it, but it's not a very effective service. It doesn't work well because if the person is self employed, for example, he just have no money, you know, or, or they can't track them down, or and it's not an effective service. Okay, well, let's think about this logically. So is what you're saying then that just letting them off the hook entirely? Well, no, I don't believe they should be let off the hook. I would say no. So what I'd say is we should be looking at that as well. Uh, The other thing I suppose is about the appropriateness of of keeping people in hotels. I mean, the hotel business is booming. They're booked out all the time. So if you say, oh, it's disgraceful that they made $70 It's disgraceful that they made seventy million from homelessness, maybe, but they probably would have made that money anyway from from tourists who would pay to stay in their hotels. Well, there's a lot so of that, there's a lot of kippy hotels are surviving on okay. social welfare payments. Well, the question is then, why are we keeping them in hotels? And it's because we haven't got enough to provide for them elsewhere. But, the but same, there's no other option apart from a magic wand to build well, houses. Well, no, there is there is actually a magic wand because the, in Dublin alone, the state owns forty five thousand homes. Like people talk about, all oh, vultures coming in. They own fifteen hundred apartments. The state in Dublin, across the four local authorities, owns forty-five or 46,000 homes. And out of those, about 10% of them are two, three, and four-bed homes where only one person occupies them. Okay? At the same time, we've got a couple thousand homes where a family of three, four, five, six is occupying, you know, one- and two-bed homes. Massive overcrowding. If we were to tell people when they get a state home... By the way, I'm letting you make this point, unlike Breed Smith, who wouldn't let you make it on the air, but go on. <laughs> Yeah, so rather than tell people that when you get this home that it's guaranteed for life, even if you're in a four-bed on your own, we should be saying, look, we want to house you, 
but we will house you in appropriate housing if you want state-supported housing, that that's, that's a so, possibility. So is the, are you, what you're trying to say to me is that social housing is not for life. And and, that, and by the way, it was never designed to be for life. It was designed for you when you had hard times. And when if you bettered yourself, then you could go off and buy your own home and that yeah, would be passed the, on to somebody the, else. Is the, that what you're yeah, saying? Well, say? the idea was that the basic, you might have gotten it when you really needed it. But then as you rose up, that you would pay more. But what they did is successive governments uh, designed systems that hollowed out that renting. So at the moment, you could have a couple that earn about €150,000 between them, and their rent on a four-bed house in Dublin 4, if it was a, a council home, is capped. W- would be about €700, Euro, whereas... If you were earning 150000 between a couple yeah. elsewhere, you might be paying, you know, 3000 to, to, to yeah. live there. So, right. yeah. so I think we really got that wrong. And I think we need to have a new conversation about providing for more people. And in fact, I, I But are they charging anybody 700 Because as far as I remember from the Dublin City Council, um, recently they put out figures and the most that anybody was paying was 530 Well, you see, a lot of it is, is kind of become self-inhibiting because you have various ways to get deducted. So... It's, it's, you get the first, for instance, in Dublin City Council, the first 32 euro of your after-tax income is taken off. And then after that, they apply 10% of that. And of the second person earning, the maximum they can pay, I think, is a further 19 euro. I had a spreadsheet for it. It was actually incredibly difficult to find out how these things are calculated. It took me about a week of phone calls. But we have desperately under cut ourselves and that's why social housing in Ireland doesn't work in places that have good social housing so, but, but equally to, bal- to balance out what you said a few minutes ago about one person living in a three bedroom house or two people living in a four bedroom house you've equally got you know a family with two adults and three children living in a two bedroom house uh, or, or a family with, with, with five adults or sorry, with five kids and two adults living mm-hmm. in a one bed. I mean, that's also something that's real. That's happening so right now. So we should be swapping them over. But the, yeah. but the problem is a moral argument that, you know, if Betty has been living there with her kids and her husband and her husband passed away and her kids have moved on and she's still sitting there in this three-bedroom house in Finglas, that you can't very well, well, the moral argument is you can't very well boot Betty out of the house. Well, you see, the, the thing about morality is there's two types of questions in the world. There's the things that are like in the first group of questions, which I would call scientific facts. So does 2 plus 2 equal 4? We're really not going to debate those things. In the second group, you fall into an area where it's a question where some form of morality or judgment call comes into it. And what you're saying is that this lady, Betty, by virtue of having lived there, has a set of rights greater than the set of rights of a large family stuck in an awful situation who could use that house better because they'd be occupying more of it and where Betty wouldn't be materially detrimental but in terms Betty, of moving. But Betty considers, even though it may not be, Be- she considers it her home. Okay, but here's the question. Is Betty willing to pay the market value for that rent? No, she hasn't got it. Okay, and you don't have it. So you're looking for the state to support you still. If you're looking for the state to support you still, it comes with terms and conditions attached. So what, Such happens, as, Be- so what happens to Betty? You can't go into public medicine and demand private rooms and demand the things that, that might be costly. Well, well, Betty gets... You know, notice that, look, Betty, we'd love you to find somewhere in the locality. We're, we're going to start a service to look for somewhere that might be overcrowded and we'll get you whatever's the closest property to where you live now. Nice that old is bed apartment. A, a, a better size. Maybe we'll do it up. Might make you some kind of offer to help you, you make this move. But it isn't really realistic that you occupy a four-bedroom house on your own. You're denying a family in need. But Carl, right? Carl, the only way to do that would be to enforce it. And I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. Look, I, if, you if, know, if people want to create but what really I'm saying unfair is, homelessness when we have the resources I, no, I agree to with you. No, I, I am agreeing with you in principle. I think it's a great idea, right? 
But getting back to Betty, who, by the way, whose name is fictitious, if anybody, but Betty happens to be living in Finglas in a four-bedroom house, right? But getting back to Betty, Betty will turn around and say, well, look, I don't, I don't want to move out of this three-bedroom house. It's a nice house. My, my grandchildren come here on Christmas Day. You know, they, they'll come over, you know, on summer holidays. I mind them for my, my, my daughter. I look after the grandkids here. My, my family visit. I need the spare bedrooms in case they stay over. So she's got to come up with all sorts of excuses, and, and kind of rightly so in some sense. It, it would be maybe she's sixty-seven years of age, sixty-eight years of age. It would be unfair to do that, and and that's a lot of what we're talking about: is yeah. older people living in houses too big for them. Okay, well, look, what if I told you that there's also younger people in that situation? Because a lot of tenancies have been inherited where there was the adult child of someone in that situation living there, and now you've got someone who's thirty-five living in a four-bed house on their own or a three-bed house on their own, would you be willing to concede that one or do we come up with a whole new host of reasons such as, well, I spent my childhood there, granted I never settled down, but this is where I know, this is my neighbourhood, so therefore you can't ask me to move. You see, if you start to create emotional objections to every sensible solution, then that doesn't, that doesn't mean that the solution well, is wrong. Well, that's what the socialist parties that do all the mean, time, isn't it? Well, that just means that what you're doing is you're showing a preference to incumbents, you're showing a preference to insiders, and doing so to the detrimental expense of those who are most vulnerable and most exposed who are living in awful circumstances. And you're not doing your part as a citizen to pull your weight. I do my part by trying you know, to, to, to create jobs, pay taxes, etc. I entrust the government with that money to do the right thing. But someone else is saying, no, I entrust the recipients of that welfare more, how it should be and they should decide how it should be said. Okay. And, and I think okay. that's okay. a, a okay. Well, that's one argument. Okay, so one argument is obviously, you know, uh, remuneration and moving people around and, and making people more popular. That's still not going to solve the housing crisis. It might go some way to taking a lot of people off the housing list. But, okay, what about the sense of entitlement? Do you believe the sense of entitlement has risen? In other words, the more and more that we hear about homelessness and the homeless crisis and people getting housing, and there was a, par- a point there where Dublin City Council that said themselves, um, the own Keegan, the head of the, the council, turned around and said people were purposely making themselves homeless to get a house quicker. Now, they've, they've broken that barrier now. That rule has been taken out. You don't get it any quicker if you yeah. become homeless or register yourself as homeless. But are people going in, I'm going to pretend I'm homeless, I'm going to kick myself out of my own mother's house, and I get a, I get a house for me and the kid? Yeah, well, I, I think that Owen Keegan was eminently qualified to make whatever comment he made. He, he, you know, he oversees all this stuff. Um, and well, Connor Skeen even said from the housing executive, people were gaming the system. Connor Skeen, again, eminently qualified to make that call. Now, you can say that you don't like it when someone says it. You can say, oh, you're just a miserable L, whatever you want to say. But, but those are eminently qualified voices. And what I would be saying is that in the past, if going homeless meant that you were going to sleep in a park and now it means that you will have food and accommodation, you will naturally see an uplift. And that's not me saying that people are doing it on purpose. This is economic theory. If there's something made available, you will sometimes see an increase in demand for it. So if your choice in the past was sleep in your car and now you have the choice of, of a service which will offer you a bed and three meals a day, then you'll probably go for that and there'll be more of it. Now, what I'm saying is on one hand, that's a good thing. We're taking care of people. We're making sure they're not sleeping in cars, making sure they're not sleeping you know, in parks. That's good. But within that mix, you are having more people who in the past might not have ended up there, might have explored another avenue or two before they went to that point. But it's nearly impossible to get right. So you see, I'm not saying like stop all of that. What I'm saying is a couple things. A, 
is that we actually have a lot of housing that we could fix this with, but we don't have the moral fiber to even start that conversation because of the type of objections that you've just raised, which are logically fallacious because you're looking... Well, they're not my objections. No, I'm, no, I'm no, going to no, give you the counter because I agree you, with you. you. You did raise them, and what I'm saying is they're logically false because what that's doing is, 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 is vilifying the vulnerable while endorsing wastage of a national resource that we all paid for. It's public housing. It's owned by the public. All right, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a couple of calls. I want to know, you've heard what Carl has to say as to why he believes we have a housing problem in this country. I want to know what you think and the reason why you believe we have a housing problem, why you believe we have 10,000 people in temporary accommodation that's costing the state over $170 million per year. Let me know what you think. The number is 087 You can WhatsApp or text. Is it the government's fault? Is it all their fault? Is it Dublin City Council's fault? Uh, Cork City Council, Galway? Or is it the people's fault? Let me know what you think. Hi, Niall. Uh, just to say, like, that uh, your discussion on the amount of money that's been paid out towards the hotels for this accommodation and so on, I think it's an absolute disgrace. Uh, the ultimate responsibility, I have to say, lies in the hands of the government. Get their act together, cut this out for once and for all. It's a pure disgrace of taxpayers, waste of taxpayers' money. All right, okay, but listen, what's the alternative? Let me go to Dermot as well. Dermot, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Dermot? Good evening to you, Niall. Uh, Dermot, who's, if we want to start playing a blame game tonight, whose fault is it? The fault is the government, to be perfectly honest. I can't, I cannot be the first one to uh, throw stones at people looking for council housing or social housing or whatever, because in, when I was born in 1962, my father had six, uh, five children, and we lived, I, I, I put it straight to you, we lived in a tin shack. I have very old photographs taken of it before we left it. And it, well, it wasn't fit for purpose, no, to, uh, no toilet, no running water. That was in the start of the 60s. But my father was one of many that got a council house that was built at that time by the government of that time. And the government of that time in the in the late forties, into the fifties and the sixties. Well, this was Sean Lamas's plan, yes, yeah. Sean Lamas's plan to 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 tidy things up, the tenements, get people out of tenements or whatever. And they built Cabra, they built Fingless. In the later years, they built Talat, they built Crumlin. If the government of 40, 50 years ago could build hundreds of thousands of social houses and house people for the rest of their lives, what is it in twenty twenty? When we seemingly are a much richer country, seem to have more money, more jobs, more everything, prosperous. Why? What is it about this government that expects people to okay, but Actually, that's a good point. Let me raise that with Carl. Carl, you know, my father and mother benefited from that. In 1963, they got a nice house in Edmore, a three-bed house that I was raised in. I mean, what's stopping the government do now what the government of the 50s, 60s and 70s okay, did, which that, was build basically housing estates? Now, that, obviously, that, that, space that, that, is part that's, of That's mostly a myth. Okay, the government was the main builder in the 1930s and 1940s when there was a horrific financial situation and a world war. After that, the private sector outstripped government construction by 2 to 1, 5 to 1, 10 to 1. The purchased houses, the, the, as we the call The biggest them. provider of housing mm-hmm. in this country has always been the private sector. And the government only did it for a brief amount of time when the economy was on its knees. Now, the other thing that they, they had, and if you want to have this conversation, I'm all about it. They had a very strong property tax situation. There was, there was domestic rates that only got abolished in 1977. With that, you had very highly paid, highly skilled local authorities that had teams of builders. Now, if you'd like to have a property tax of 1500 two grand per house, 
I would be saying yes to that in the morning as long as there's less income tax. But again, you'll talk about Betty or whoever the next person is who can't <laughs> afford it and it's wrong. And indeed, the party's so, so are you, are you saying that, are, you, are you saying the chairman is looking back at the 1970s with rose-tinted glasses? Well, there is that. And then there's the other factor that in the last 30 years, uh, council tenants have increased from 91,000 to over a quarter of a million. Yeah, but we're not building... So, I mean, no, you're, you're I, saying rose the glasses, but I, I can see Cabra, I can see Finglas, I can see Edenmore yeah. and Coolock and yeah. Drimna and Kimmage but, but not, and all these like, housing estates that were built. We're right here in the middle of the city centre where they're building like 10 storeys tall of massive residential buildings. And most building of, most all, of those are private, by the way. And Yeah, and, and that, that, that building is all... State. But, but increases in social housing has gone from 91,000 in 1990 to over 250,000 in 2016. If I can can interject there, Carl, I totally understand what you're saying. But the bottom line is, we are left with with choices to make. And it makes no odds how many people are in social housing that weren't on social housing 30 or 40 years ago. The simple fact is, for for every person that's in social housing, or that's, that's on the waiting list, they are costing us an arm and a leg in dead money. As the figures has said, to over two hundred million is gone. It's gone into the pockets of hoteliers, yeah, of hoteliers, of landlords, of private developers. Well, of that's, private that's not including what we pay out yeah. in HAP scheme, which is another twenty-five million just in Dublin so, alone every month. So there's no point in going on about it. Oh well, it's ninety-one thousand now, or compared to maybe one thousand fifty years ago. That's a, that's an insignificant argument. The argument is, what do we do about it? I, I drive a taxi for a living, and one night, about six months ago, I went out in Tala, I picked up a young man, a young woman, and uh, a child. And loaded, they were loading all the stuff into the car, the whole nine yards. And I, they, where was the address I was sending them to? The Ballsbridge Hotel. In fucking Ballsbridge. This couple were going in, and I, was, I stopped the taxi at the hotel, and they were offloading. And there was all these men in suits and all these business people all coming and going. And these, these, uh, this young couple with this child were going into the hotel to stay there. Now, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, what the hell does anybody gain by putting a teenage couple with a child into a fucking hotel? A, a, a four-star four four four, well, four four hotel, anyway, yeah. And, who, and who's picking up the, the tab for that? Well, you are. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm out breaking my balls driving a taxi at night. Okay, I mean, so, so okay, so the point, yeah, Carl. I mean, it is a fair point. Okay, you know, there's, okay. a lot, there's a lot going on in that conversation, but yeah, we are paying ridiculous money because I've heard yeah. of people staying in four and five star hotels. But here, here's the thing, you know? okay? So instead of them staying in a, in a four star hotel or in any hotel, indeed, which I don't think is appropriate for a family, we should be asking someone who's occupying a three bed council house on their own to move out into somewhere else. And, well, and, and why not the family- Pardon me. Because if you, if you move, if, for that argument, Carl, if you if you ask the person to move out of their council house and move off somewhere else, and put this this couple that I was talking about into the house, well, then the person that moves out has to get somewhere. Yeah, but they, that's what I'm saying. Is we, yes. we could, we well, could well, either? Yeah, he does believe that it'd be cheaper to build the places for that somebody else. That that's the difference between building one bed units and building three bed houses. The other thing is we should. Ban- the other argument as well is that we, the, that we couple should. with the child, the father, you know, or maybe I'm being very stereotypical, old fashioned here. The father should be helping to support, uh, and the mother, both of them, they have yeah, to go to work. But, but I mean, there's loads of couples in this country who have to work to support and, yeah, and, and, and share let, Let's just take the worst case scenario. The worst case yeah. scenario is that if we swap, swap someone out who's on their own, and we say to them, "You have to live in the hotel." 
that's paying for one person for one hotel instead of three people in a hotel. We Sir, Carla, Sir Carla, who are you going to, what door are you going to knock on? And as a man or a woman in their 50s or 60s who spent probably 30 or 40 years in, in a council house. Now, I've heard you say before, you, you, you don't own the council house until you bought it, as my father did. And Carl, you should or, be allowed by council houses because most of the council houses that we built actually got sold. They got rented out at a subsidy and, and then sold for cheap. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and well, I, I think that's, that's wrong. That, you shouldn't that, be allowed by a council of, house. That was the rule at the time, and it's, it's, it's in a bygone age. Yeah. I heard no saying that his father bought his house. Yeah, that's right, 1,600 pounds. Yeah. yeah, my mother and father bought our house out now. But my father and mother are long gone. But well, the point he's making is, and he's correct, my father, i tell you why, and I'm going to put my hand up here, guilty as charged, my yeah. father bought that house from the council in the 1980s at the value that he started to rent it at back in 1963, which was £1,600. They gave it to everybody for the market value of the day, the first rental, right? So we got our £1,600. He passed away, uh, going back uh, six years ago, and I inherited that house with my sister, and we sold it for 200000 so I made a few quid. And I, shouldn't, and I shouldn't have been able to do that. So the state you, lost you money. Did, you did that by the state giving you an unfair deal that other people didn't get. So we should okay, ban we selling all, council we housing all, forever. We all, Carl, we all agree on that. And I think I'm not giving well. back the money, by the way, in case you think. Okay. The, the only difference in my situation is my mother and father have bought our council house. And when they died, my sister inherited. She's living in it until she dies. And then one of our sons or two sons will probably get it. And that's grand. So, that, so that's but a longevity see, all, all around. But can I just say real quick, though? If you yeah, look at on. the journey of that council house, okay? That yeah. might have come into circulation and in, say the year... I'm just, for instance, 1955 or 1960, whatever the year is, it doesn't matter. But ever since that house got built, it never became social housing stock again. It was occupied by one person who then bought it or one person who passes it on to a, to a, an adult child who, who maintains the tenancy. So that house has never come back. We refer to it as social housing, but it's not. It was only social housing on one day for a short period of time. After that, it never came back. Okay, and that's okay. part of the problem of not having a contract. Very quickly, Jeremy. Yeah, and just very briefly, you said about, about um, knocking on some person's door, as I said, who's probably in their 60s now, who have lived, got a council house 40 years ago, and they've lived in it. Who's going to knock on the door and tell that person that uh, they no longer are going to live there? We're giving it to this couple, the hypothetical couple I spoke about. Well, see, I, I don't really inherently disagree with Carl. I was giving them the counter-argument, but I believe that if the government are doing something to do the it, there will be some sort of incentive, cash incentive to yeah. do that. I th- you could do that and also show them the family that is stuck in a one bed, a family of and, six, and, and, and say and, these are the real people. And that is not my argument. My argument is what do you do with a person who is in the latter stages of their life. They're no longer... A 60 is not the end of your life now. <laughs> if you're in your, in, going into your 60s, you're running out of time in employment. You're running you're out of never, time from the day you're, you're born. Never get a, hang on, you'll never get a mortgage because obviously of, of age, you may not have the, the, the advisor means to get it. So did but you, you didn't have a mortgage anyway because you're living in a state house. Correct. So what do you do with that person? You put the, do you say to them, Pack up your stuff. We're bringing you down to the Ballsbridge Hotel. No, no. We'll still... Hotel. You will, you will be housed by the state, as you always have been, but it will yeah. be in a more appropriate house, and there might be an amount of time between when that appropriate house comes along and something else where you might have a second address before you go to your third address. I would but, agree But with what that. you've got to do is start getting the housing stock moving so that we don't have six people living in one bed and one person do, living I in do, a four I bed. Do. Can I ask you, are you totally against building more houses? As the population grows, it's quite simple. 
if, if, there's, if there's 10 people looking for one house in one year and suddenly the, with the population explodes, there's 100 people looking for that one house. I am all about you houses. Have, I know, rejoice development. When, when housing plans go in, I send letters sometimes to the people saying, well, Deb, I wish Debbie, you well. You, Debbie, I'm you, the you most pro-development person you are ever going to meet. Property to Carl is like porn to everybody else. Well, okay, we'll stay there for a second. Um, well, he's talking absolute bollocks. You can't take people out of their house where they were living for all their life and their kids and all that. You can't just do that because somebody else needs to get in there. It doesn't make sense, Doyle. That's the family home. Whoop, there you go. You're talking, you know what, because that's the family home. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's the way some people feel very strongly. And, and I know I you're saying they, it's quite passionate, look, you know. I, I imagine they do. Like, I'm not coming out here saying I have something that will make everyone happy. If that was the case, I'd be running for election because that's what our politicians do. But you would do. not be popular if you were Minister for Housing. Well, look, you, but, you know but that, don't this, you? The point I'm trying to make... No, I'm not is, disagreeing with you. I'm just saying you wouldn't be popular because I agree those have to, tough decisions have to be made. Niall, there's certain truths that are so obvious and true, and we know them to be true. Like, if someone wants to lose weight, you've got to stop eating as much. If you want to get smarter, you've got to study. There is no short way that will get you there without making that painful choice. And every good choice quite often involves that. But what we do in Ireland is we won't even start to have a conversation about the appropriate use of our housing stock, or everybody just reacts like that guy who left the WhatsApp voice recording. That's Mm. just instant rant, rage, I'm upset. You can't, get him on, you actually. Can't, actually see you can't come ask on. someone to do something like that. The chap that said the voicemail. See but, why, but why is he willing to ask the person who stayed there at a subsidized rent, who got that house for cheap, who now doesn't need the whole house, why is he defending that and endorsing people staying in homelessness? Amanda, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Amanda? Hey, how are you, Niall? Good. Amanda, I mean, okay, we're having a conversation tonight. I suppose it's a bit of a blame game, you know, and like how are we going to fix this kind of housing crisis? Carl has come up with some really good suggestions, but he said we're afraid to have that conversation because it might hurt people's feelings. Yeah, well, like that, I don't see why there is so much uh, homelessness as it is. There's an awful lot of houses that are empty. And why the corporation just don't put the money into doing those houses up and put families back into them rather than leaving them boarded up and going unoccupied for so long. You know, and yes, I understand why I'm saying there as well about, you know, older people in a larger house, family home, size homes, and people then living in one bedroom with three and four children. I don't think we should make the move, but... I don't see what are your options? Can. Because they're, not, they're probably not going yeah, to do well, it willingly. Well, some of them would. Some of them might, yeah, downsize. They'd be yeah, happy, yeah. You know, some of them would be happy to downsize. Like, I know somebody who would has talked before about wanting to move into somewhere smaller that's in a three-bedroom house. You know, and I don't see why they can't write out to people and ask them. You know, they might get a very small amount coming back, but that's it a small amount then of the houses that are going to be there for larger families. But the thing is, Amanda, we could actually resolve housing tomorrow if we actually successfully did this. Let me ask you a quick question. Imagine you could rent a three bed for a thousand euro or a one bed for a thousand euro. Which one would you go for? You go for the three bed. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, I would. Well, that's exactly how council housing works. Because in council housing, the rent is determined by you, not the size of the property, and that's why people never move. Why would you give yeah. up a perfectly good three-bed if for the same price, all you're going to do is get a smaller home? And that's why. You've answered the question for me. 
So we do have a Sinn Féin candidate, haven't we, that's living in a council house. Um, I can't remember his name now, but we, we talked about him before. A Sinn Féin candidate living in a council house, even though he's actually a TD, and earning quite a substantial amount of money. And he's still living in a council and, house. And his rent is capped. He's probably paying much less in rent for that house. Well, I think, than, I, think uh, I, I did read somewhere you'll be 530 was the highest rent. amount being paid by anybody. They do have caps in each each different area. And not on, on top so, of that as so well. So if you're making over 100 grand, which most, you know, when you factor in expenses mm. and everything else, that's a, that's another great example of why our but, housing system is broken. But Amanda, And the other problem, the Amanda, best. is the rent is not being paid in a lot of houses. We, we're, we're now in a... 50% arrears, yeah, even though it's cheap. We're we're in arrears now. Uh, the councils and just one council area we're in arrears. As, as far as I remember, the number was thirty six million. Uh, we're in arrears, so people haven't paid their rent in years, and do you know, they don't get do you know something out. wild. Is that Dublin City Council and Dunleary Rathdown and different ones? They quite often bring people to court, and they spend money on lawyers to make them compelled to pay the rent. And then when they get the court order, they never enforce it either. It's mad. Like the, no, the, nobody. Only the, one person was evicted. Yeah, but the, this in is the thing. Years. When people hear me talk about public housing, I'm not against public housing. I really believe in it. I mean, I really do. I'm just saying we have to do it very, very differently than the way we do now, so that we can house people. But she makes a good point you about know, the, the houses. We see a lot of houses around boarded up. I, look, I'm all about getting rid of voids. I'm all about you know facilitating more housing where where something is left derelict. That's that to me. That's wrong. That's like someone having a room full of corn during a famine and saying, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not." I'm going to let it rot. You know, yeah, I'll, that, I'll just let it go. Yeah, but Amanda, what, what about moving people outside of the city? For example, you hear on regular basis, you know, people refusing who don't need to be in a city. For example, who are not working and are not probably destined to work. There might be, it might be a mother with young children and she's probably not going to go out of work or doesn't want to go out to work maybe and you know and they want a house you know beside their ma in Crumlin or Kimmage well or no I don't think that's right well there's loads of houses outside if, Dublin yeah if there's a house there and they're offered the house I think that they should take the house I don't think they should be then offered a second or third choice mm-hmm. you know if there's something there that's it they should go for it um, whether it's outside like when I first moved house, moved out of my mom's house. We lived just off of a Burby Road. And my first house, I went out to Tala. And I hate it because I didn't drive. My partner didn't drive. Is that a council house you were in? Two, yeah. uh, it was actually a house we bought. Right, okay. okay. Um, but because we couldn't afford in around town. Yeah. You know, couldn't afford in around where my parents were or my mom. No more than I could at the time when I got married. You know, first, yeah. so we have to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was two buses trying to come in and that. But like, if I had, it was because both were working, so we couldn't get a corporation place at the time. Like we had a son as well. What, what um, bother you, Amanda? The fact that you were doing everything right, you were working, you were paying your taxes, and that you were then because you paid your own way and you had to cut your cloth according to the measure that you were spending hours to commute places when someone who maybe never did anything other than just exist had a, you know, a pad right in the city centre? Well, no, like, I, I'm i proud that I worked for what I have. And I'm proud that, you know, I, I do see sometimes, yes, maybe once or twice I've gotten annoyed that somebody has not done anything and just been handed, feel handed everything and got a place in around. Mm-hmm. But we've been able to move back in now and we're in Cabernet. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is it is a hard pill to swallow when you're working. And I know Helena, for example, here, who's you know with her boyfriend or partner a long time now, and they desperately want to get a house. And it's difficult for her to watch somebody else getting a house for them when she's saving desperately. But let me say there for a second. Let me. I need to go to Jason. I've got two people before I go to the top of the air here. Uh, Jason, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Jason? 
Hi again, I'm going to read out what it says on my screen. Jason says, how dare Carl say that him and his wife uh, reared his kids in their council home. They will not give it up. Okay, so do you want well, to defend that statement yet? Yeah? You, you doctored that a bit there. Did I? Okay, um, well, you put it yeah. into context for me. Then. Right, okay, so myself and my wife were living in a council house for the last 25 years. Okay. Right? Everything was always paid houses looked after and we've put a lot of money into the house as well okay the kids now have grown up and flown the nest so what does this man right so we've so always say, so are can i ask you but just in the circumstance are you in a three-bed house yes i am yeah. okay so just yourself and your missus yes so yes, so yes, you yes, use yes. one bedroom in your three-bed house yes Okay, and, oh, yeah, and okay. Would, it be, would, it be, would it be unfair of me to ask you, and you don't have to answer the question if you don't want to, is the rent expensive? It is, yeah. Well, well we're top rent. We obviously have, we bought work. So, um, so but it, but it's, say, nowhere so near what, it's nowhere near what people would be paying private rental. No, it wouldn't no. be, yeah. Okay. No, it wouldn't okay. be, yeah. No, no, it wouldn't be, All right, yeah, okay. okay. But, um, so, the, what's that guy's name? The, Carl Dieter. Carl Dieter. Carl, Carl. So, what he suggests, so that we have had a council house for... 25 plus years, we've paid top rent all the time, we bought work, we've put a fabulous house around ourselves, I said we never called anybody, and so I die next year, what, to throw my wife out of the house uh, and put her into a hotel, what are you talking about? And put some other family in here, what are you talking about? Okay, well. It's not like, it's not like you're just giving a council house. Okay, you're, well, you're well, well, okay, well, 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 50,000 in income. Okay, let them. I mean, the house that we actually got off the council was like something you would get. Yeah, yeah, you've made it. You've made it your home. Yeah, you've made it your home. We did above and above it. But like I said, when we got the house from the council, uh, it was like something you'd get over in Eastern Europe because there was no central heat, no kitchen, no nothing. You got nothing. You didn't get on to the source welfare and get a grant to do for your house. You got nothing. You had to get the house together yourself. Okay, all right, okay. Let, okay, let, well, central heating wasn't even a thing in Ireland until the 1970s. So depending on when you got that house, you were just like everybody else in the country. You didn't have it. So yeah. let's just take... Now, Jason, let, just let him answer the question. Okay? So, so are you suggesting that, you know, if, if Jason pops his clogs next year, ra- that his wife should it, be kicked rather out Rather than make it too emotional and about Jason, let's just say that one of the many council houses that's being built right now, that they might cost, say, a quarter of a million to build, and it's going to be offered to Joe Bloggs. And Joe Bloggs, much like Jason, is on the list, and he qualifies for that house. What I would be saying we have to do different is Joe Bloggs... This tenancy will be appropriate to your needs. So you need a three-bed house because it's you and your wife and three kids. But when it's just you and your wife, you will be living in a two-bed or a one-bed. And we're going to look at this situation. So do we review it? What's ava- exactly, just review so, it. But, 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 okay, but make, make it about Jason because he has called to say how dare you. Okay. So make it about Jason. So what should happen now? Ideally, you know, if you were in government and you're the man making the decisions, what should happen to Jason and his wife? Are you saying that because their kids have flown, flown the nest, that they should now be downsized and that house should be given to somebody more appropriate? Well, he doesn't want to pay the market rent for it, which is the, the true price that, that, like, if you were to rent it privately. I'm guessing that you wouldn't want to pay what the, the true rent of it is. Probably 1800 right? yeah. Would I be right in saying that or not? Jason. What, you're asking me? Yeah, if somebody said to you tomorrow, well, you need to pay the... The going rate around would be probably about 1200 that's a... Yeah, would you be happy to pay that for it, per month? Um, what, 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 no, you know, at this stage? Yeah, um, yeah. If, if I, if I, if they're okay, maybe not 1200 to be honest with you, no. But if they did up it, 
and came halfway or something like that, yeah, that would be okay. But, okay. you know, well, well, I jump well, up. Case... Okay, that would be fair enough. But what wouldn't be fair is, like I said, if my wife died next week or if I died next week, throw me out in the street and someone walks into yeah, well, the no, house. Nobody said, no, 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 hang on. Carl never said throw anyone out in the street, by the way. Well, okay, he, did, he said put him in a hotel. No, so, he didn't. He said, no, he did say we would build one bedroom or one bed units. He made a suggestion there. He said, it's better to have one person in a hotel than having a family in a hotel. Well, I think that so most what he people can stand by take that. The person, take the old person of the house, put him in a hotel, and get some per- family in and move them into a house, and all they have to do is bloody put their fucking clothes in the drawer. Yeah, okay. They, have, they have nothing else but, to do. Okay. You well, know look, what I mean? I think most people would logically say that if you had to take sides, that you would rather see one person in a hotel rather than a family of five. And I don't I'd think see nobody that, in a hotel. Pardon me? I'd rather see nobody in a hotel. Yeah, okay. Well, that's actually the best choice, but we know that that choice isn't available. So with the choices that we have, I think that the second choice of putting a family of five into a three-bed home and one person in a hotel is logically, you know, where the scales would tip it. If you well, had going to take forward, sides, maybe. Now, well, well, now, Jason, well, going, go forward so it doesn't affect go, you. Going, for, going forward, <laughs> yeah, Jason yeah. said so, he no, would pay as, the full as price. As well, that's as okay. if you're going to make it, make that rule of make it a rule, yeah, or make it a law. But I, but I think, but I think it was always the rule because social housing, by definition, was never meant to be a house for life. What by, was, by definition, Sean, it wasn't meant to be yours for life. Of any government scheme, Niall. If we were, we would have, but we never were. It was just the time was wrong. We never were. We wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't know because I've never had a you social. Should, you shouldn't be allowed. But when you, buy sign, when you sign up for social housing and you sign on the dotted line for the house, I'm assuming in the small print it, it kind of says that at any stage you can you they have the power over the house. They can kick you out. It is actually a state-owned home, but the tenancy gives you tenancy for life. Now the thing is, it's never been tested as far as I know that the tenancy means that it was just only to that building. And that's the thing where, where it gets awkward, you see, because someone says, but I've been here for a long time. But if, if again, if you're looking at a family of five, and this is the thing, Jason, in, in your heart, if you were able to, to try and just step back from your own situation, do you think it's fair that a family of six are in a one-bedroom while you're in a three-bed with one other person? Would you say that situation is fair? The problem isn't my creating. Okay. It's the government. The government is so some, someone else's I mean, look, problem. Look, look, just look at the record on building council. Yeah, well, no, baby, that, okay. So Carl's basically said it's not you're creating, but it's somebody else. So it's somebody else's problem, not yours. It's no, no. Back in the fifties and sixties, and even the seventies, look at the amount of council houses they were buying, and then the country was washed up money and they couldn't buy any. And then you have all the TVs above there. Every one of the TVs above there. And they're all landlords. Okay, wait, wait, we'll say that because I need to go to Jason as well. Or not Jason, I need to go to, uh, I'm sorry, Sean, uh, just before I finish this up as well. Sean, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Sean? Hello, how are you well? Sean, I don't think Jason is going to like your suggestion, but I think Carl will actually be getting very excited by it. But go on. <laughs> yeah, I'll Are you on a speakerphone? Could you could you talk a bit louder into it because it's a bit? Okay, okay Sorry, go. hold on. One sec, one sec. Okay, okay. Speak, Oh yeah, well don't drive with don't drive while you're talking. Yeah, so just pull over. No, just saying on the aspect we had a three bedroom property which was my nan's home. She passed away recently, and my uncle was left there living there, but he was slightly disabled, so he couldn't manage the house on his own. We had massive problems with the corporation trying to get the outside him to. To get him into so a one-bedroom apartment, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was around the age of 55, 60, as I said, slight disability. 
couldn't handle the house up, getting too much even for us to come down and keep fixing the house up, blah, blah, blah. But two and a half years before the Corporation Council were able to actually downsize him, and we were frustrated with them because he wouldn't give us a 65, because he was just under the age, I don't know, two years out or so. So we had at that point, was properties like that not given if there's people obviously living in a um, three-bedroom house and there's only one. Why is it not the same thing the English Council have where you do, you know, the pay yeah, bedroom tax? Room? So you'd, so you'd like to charge you'd like to charge Jason a tax on the two bedrooms he's not using. Put it this way: Jason's happy living there in a the social house. If I was given a social house and it was three beds, like the me and my kids, whatever, and the kids were gone off, and I'm living there with my girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever, and the bedrooms not being used, I shouldn't have to be happy and stay there for life. It was given to me under certain circumstances, like I was homeless or whatever. Yeah, and in the future, yeah. or oh, you were having a family. Being, yes, yeah. In, in, in yeah. Jason's defence, though, in Jason's defence, he said onto the street. Okay, well, no, no. In Jason's defence, he did say he'd be happy he'd be to pay happy a few, to pay 12, a few 1, quid, twelve hundred yeah, euros. No, he, didn't, he didn't say twelve hundred. Well, he, he said he, he would said, negotiate. Okay, yeah, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, he knows he knows he's paying way too little. Well, the bedroom tax would be a way of getting you to negotiate. No, no, council need to build the bedroom taxes if they built me a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, you're right. And to be honest with you, I never disagreed with the bedroom tax. It didn't last long, mind you. It's gone already, isn't it? The bedroom tax. I don't think it lasted long. Um, but I never disagreed with the bedroom tax. I thought it was a good idea and a good incentive for people in larger houses to scale down. Now, you can only apply a bedroom tax, obviously, to state housing. You can't apply it to private yeah. housing. But that's the problem. I'm sorry, I'll get back to that. My uncle with the three bedroom house here, and I have another uncle that's in England, and he's living in two um, apartment, basically. And he's being charged for the extra room rent, um, empty room charge. Right, okay. And he's, he's talking to the council over there about downsizing. And then they asked with him, they said, you'll have my property within six months. Over here, it's taken two and a half to three years for me to give a three-bedroom house back to the corporation. And we've twice as many so councillors in this country. You can That's imagine they've worked it out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 10,000 people homeless right now. And they don't want to do something about taking a bed off of one person that's willing to hand it over. That doesn't make it. I know, I know, I get you. And that makes absolutely zero sense, Carl. So there's the ideal situation. There's somebody who wants to give it up, and the council, two years, uh, dossing around, dicking around, and won't take it off and to give but, to somebody else. And, and yet, what well, you've said, seen in the to UK, they've done it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.